Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Hello and welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast for your weekly dose of inspiration. Today, we've got a guest named John, who's a principal of a school that's a regional school. It's called Trundle Central School. And for those who don't know where Trundle is, it's uh, near Dubbo. I'm sure John will um, give us a more precise location than that once we speak to him. But uh, John has shown selfless dedication for the community. He has managed to coordinate multiple individuals and agencies to deliver sustained drought relief to the Trundle community. Under John's leadership, students have been empowered to help their families in times of significant rural need. Their mental health has also been improved. The school was featured on BBC, China News and Seven Network Sunrise, leading to visits by rural aid, rotary clubs, government and other organisations. In the last 12 months, they've secured 250 food and toiletry packages and injected $170,000 into the Trundle economy. Incredible stuff, and I'm really excited to speak to John today, as I said, the principal of Trundle Central School. Welcome, John. Thanks very much for having me. Absolute pleasure, John. Uh, for those who are consuming this in the audio and podcast, the usual podcast way, they won't be able to see, but in your background, I'm loving it. I can see the certificate and the trophy that you won from the Transgrid Leadership Award uh, last year. So that might be a good place to start. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience you know, maybe the whole way through from being from uh, the nomination to you know finding out you're a finalist to you know to receiving that award. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a roller coaster because just being nominated was such an honour. Because um, when you put yourself out in the public domain, you, you sort of uh, expose yourself for, for for criticism and and people thinking that you're doing it for some sort of personal glory. So it was just such an honour for to be recognised by other people that yes. We have got a lot of positive publicity, but we're not doing it for that. We're actually doing it for the community. So that was great. And, and just the professionalism of the organisation, the dinner was fantastic and the people. and It was just, it was just like a, an honour to, to go through the journey of it all. Even if we, did, even if we didn't win, it was still such, such an amazing experience. So, yeah, it was probably one of the better things that I've done in my life. So thank you to the organisation. Well, there's a pretty long list of achievements there, and uh, that's pretty cool to hear that that was one of the best things you've done. So, uh, no, that's awesome. And what was the drive like going um, from, you know, because was I correct in saying that you're pretty close to Dubbo? That's what Google Maps is telling me. Oh, mate, we're, we're still an hour and a 45 minutes away from Dubbo. So we're, we're about um, 60 k's inland from Parks and Forbes, so pretty much in okay. the centre of New South Wales. Yeah, so, right. You know, wheat and sheep growing area so a former very prosperous area but there's a lot of factors which have reduced that productivity and population over over the years but we're still hanging on we're very positive yep. out here and uh what's the you know you may or may not know this but what's the population like roughly in your you know your immediate community uh there's 380 people in the township of trundle yeah okay? so it's um it's declined and and sort of stabilised in the last, say, five years, but the drought really knocked us around. Like, we lost we lost 25 kids from this school alone, which is was devastating. Hopefully, now we've had a bit of rain, so things will start to improve again. Yeah, fingers crossed. And, well, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the kids who come to Trundle Central School? What kind of, 
you know, kids uh, or demographics or whatever are coming along? Yeah, we, we have a, a mixture of children. We have about 60% of our kids are farm kids. They either own the farms, their families own the farms or they, they work on the farms and the rest live in, live in town. We, um, we're a pretty unique school that we actually deliver our year 11 and 12 through video conferencing. So we've got about another 75 children that video conference into us every day to do their year 11 and 12 work and it just made me giggle a little bit when COVID lockdown happened when people were very worried about children have to learn online and all that type of stuff where now you're 11 and 12 that's just their bread and butter that's just what they do they only see their their delivering teacher about twice a term and then they they do their, their lessons through le- a combination of le- lesson packages and video conferencing. But um, we have amazing children. We um, during the during the drought, I, I put the challenge out to them. Said we can either lay down and be victims of this, or we can stand up and do something. And yeah, to every one of my children got in, involved in it, and it really, I could I could see that it was actually part of their their personal growth. So the, the award that I got for leadership was, I suppose, because I did coordinate and, and inspire and get people moving in the same direction. But it was really, real, it was really an award for those kids, you know, and, and my community. Um, yeah, I think you're spot on there because, um, yeah, whilst you were, you know, the driving force and, you know, from a logistical standpoint, you did a lot. So don't downplay your, uh, your great work there, John. But you're right, it is for the community. This award, it brings great recognition to the community, to the kids at the school, to the teachers, to the parents, because, as you said, you can't just do it by yourself. Yeah, and I hope it brings some sort of recognition that, that even when droughts aren't on, that there's a, a huge and, I think, disgraceful disparity of opportunity between the city and the country. And, and a lot of it's generated through apathy, political apathy, but it's also generated by the fact that we, we socialise our children to be stoic and strong and we make them, we give them this idea that they can't put their hand up to ask for help because that's a sign of weakness. And that's, I think, indirectly contributed to the horrendous suicide rate we have in this country from kids from 18 to 24, especially our males. I've lost in my, I've always taught in country schools. I just love teaching the country in my teaching career i've lost 13 young people through suicide it's just just an horrendous thing and look people might might think that we got involved in the drought relief well initially got involved in it because we wanted to maintain human dignity we had people running out of water and in in a wealthy country like australia that's just an horrendous thing so we put washing machines in, we put showers and we, we, we gave, especially our country women, that bit of dignity to be able to have a hot shower at night. But it was also to, to tell my kids that it's time to be proactive. It's time to get out and talk to politicians and decision makers and, and say, hey, we might live... 60 k's from the nearest traffic light but we're still important and you've got to govern for this whole country so there was a lot of indirect things that went with it and are still going today josh we yeah we're running mental health awareness for the community we've got dental van here we've got you know the doctor visits here we do hearing checks we do all that type of stuff because 
at this school, we're determined to say it doesn't matter where you live in this country, you still deserve that level of service. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think, you know, that just shows that you guys are pros in this uh, video learning and home, you know, learning from home through technology. And a lot of people wouldn't think that a rural school would, you know, be good at that. I think that's fighting, battling a couple of perceptions there. Look, um, with the risk of getting some of the um, more important people in the educational side, but I'm pretty good at that too, <laughs> we've, um, we, we've become corporatised in education and I think that's to the detriment of our kids. We've, we're data-driven and we're outcome-driven and we're all this type of stuff and we, we, we look at a school's value through its literacy and numeracy scores and all that type of stuff and that's important, don't get, don't get me wrong. But... We've got to take our corporate banner off sometimes and we've got to say every child in your school deserves an opportunity. And, like, last, last week we actually gave away blankets and warm pyjamas and sheets to all our primary school kids because of the, the great generosity of people in cities and that type of stuff. And I'm saying, I'm not saying to the parents you can't provide that. I'm saying to the parents, here's a little helping hand. And yeah. If one in ten of those kids is cold at night because the parents can't afford it or the parents won't buy those sort of things, the school has done that and the school's shown to that child that it's important to get your assignment and it's important to be good at maths and English and all that type of stuff, but it's also important to be you and, and to have a space. And that's what we're, well, that's what I'm on about. And it's not, it's not just raising money and getting bottles of water. It's sending that message out to everybody that they're important. So, John, you've got a really clear message and I can tell, you know, what your values are just from talking to you. How do you, I guess, pass that down to your staff and, um, and kind of, you know, pass that message on to the community? That's a, to staff, it's not that hard because if, if you work in my school, you, you, part of your whole being is, is you're compassionate for individuals because if you're not, I, I don't want to sound like a bully, and I'm certainly not, but I will certainly um, encourage you very, very much to be like that because that's what, it, you know, to the community, it's really hard because country communities don't like people looking from the outside in. You have to really gain their confidence to start off with and you have to be, I suppose, living their battle. Yeah. Okay? So... I have, over the years, I've been here six years, I, I have got uh, some people offside. I have upset them because I've said to them, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to have this mindset that your kids don't have opportunity. And it's not good enough to to spend your money on, on, on things and your kids suffer. You know, so I, it is very easy to get people offside in country, country towns because of that. And... You also have to remember that there is, is a percentage of population in any country town or any town that come to places like Trundle to run away. They don't want the responsibility. They don't want that personal challenge of being better and, and aspiring to stuff because there's, there's been things in their life that have may, maybe taken away that inner drive, that spirit, that love of their, their inner being. So, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. But what, what I think you need to do is... One, you need to have plenty of Teflon. You put your Teflon on yeah. and you go, you go out there and you, 
you're not afraid to challenge the norms and you're not afraid to challenge the social structures that, you know, place people in, in, a, in a certain stratification of, of in, in a town. Because in, in my school, I want to tell people that it doesn't matter, as soon as you walk through this gate, it doesn't matter whether you come from, and many of our kids come from places without running water or, you know, some places still got dirt floors and kids kids go outside to go to the toilet, you know. And I say that to people and they, they say that couldn't possibly be true, but it is. You know, there's huge um, situational and ingrained poverty in the country that just gets swept under the carpet. So it doesn't matter if you come from that or you come from a multi-million dollar farming enterprise, once you walk through my gate, you are equal in opportunity. Okay? So that's that's something that I've always strived to put in into my kids. And that's you know, and thankfully it's reflected in the management of our school because our SRC has kids from all different social stratifications running the school as kids. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. So I guess if, um, if you, would, you know, would you be happy to share some stories of, uh, I guess, some kids who you've seen, you know, tremendous growth and, um, and what's, that, what's that like to be part of that? That must be really rewarding. Yeah, it's rewarding and it, it, it can be emotionally challenging as well because you, you go to bed at night and put your head down the pillow and you know that your kids are safe and your kids are warm, but you also know out there that despite your best efforts, there are kids that aren't warm and safe yeah. and that's... That's emotionally challenging. If if I can indulge you by by sharing a story, we we gave some dunas away last year and some some mattress covers and that, that type of stuff. One of one of my boys came in. He's in year six, I think. He would be now. He might have been younger then, but um, he would have been year five. The um, he came in and I said, "Mate, well, he is his name." I said. Mate, why are you so late? You know, like you're late for school. You're never late for school. You're always at the gate at 8.30. He said, I was so warm last night, I just kept sleeping and I did not want to get out of bed. And I thought, well, you know, this 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 life might be a bit challenging and you might go mm-hmm. have some sleepless nights, but it really doesn't get any better than that. I, I had another lady last year. She's They do it pretty tough because they, they farm pigs and that market's pretty bad at the moment. And she, her daughter got off the bus and she had a, a food hamper and had mum's pamper packs in it. Like we put perfume and soaps and all that type of stuff. And she burst out crying and the, the daughter said, Mum, this is a great thing. What are you doing? What are you, what are you crying for? You should be happy. And she said, well, I'm out here and I'm dirty and I'm sweaty and I just had enough and you've got off the bus and you've shown me that somebody cares. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if that's leadership or, or luck, but it's, it doesn't get much better than that. So, no, so you put great. up with all the people saying, you know, you, you're in it for the glory and all that type of stuff when you get things coming back. And that that child... It doesn't matter how many schools they go to and how old they get will remember that Trundle Central School was the, the school that gave her mother that experience of being so yeah, happy. That's right. It's good. Well, you need, you need to hang on to those stories sometimes uh, when it is tough because, you know, you remember that you are making an impact for, for those kids and their families, so that's really special, I think. Yeah, it is really. It's, um, like I get just as much kick out of a child 
who struggles academically or has a disability just getting through and getting a job, then uh, we've had some outstanding HSC results. And, I, you know, that's, that's great too, but it's, it's great across the whole spectrum. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, there's some really wonderful parallels between what you're talking about and I guess your mission as a principal and a leader of the school with uh, our very first guest on this podcast, Navdeep. So he's a young guy who's uh, really passionate about helping teachers to you know, improve and with teachers' well-being. Um, and kind of his mission is that he wants every single kid to feel the way that you're talking about, to have to be you know, cared for by their teacher in their school. Um, and I think he would be so you know, thrilled to hear what you're talking about, John. Yeah, well... It's um, it's an it's an interesting power as a teacher. As a teacher, you have the power to uplift a child. They walk out of the school and they're kissing the clouds when they go through the gate. But you also have the power to to absolutely devastate that, mm. that child's yep. self confidence. So you've got to, and sometimes you you'll do that with not even thinking or not even wanting to do it. You know, one of the biggest challenges that I've had in in my life is that I left school as quick as I could. I left school even before the end of year 10. And basically I was illiterate. So a huge challenge for me has been to de- develop my literacy myself through for the, for the motivation of it because, you know, I, I did have an experience at school where I, I, I was shattered emotionally and self-confidence by, by comments that teachers were making. So... And that's, that's one of my absolute goals in life, that my children, when they leave this school, at least one of them is, is kissing the clouds because they think they're so yeah. important. So. so that must have really uh, driven you, I guess, in your journey of becoming an educator, that your own personal experience. Absolutely, because I also know what it's like to struggle with low literacy and trying to get yeah. employment and, and even more now that we're... We're getting into a society that, unfortunately, I think that if you don't have massive pieces of paper in, in gold frames, that nobody needs or wants to know you. So, so how did you do it, John? Did you just over time and persistence kind of teach well, yourself? Or? I had a, a, a very bad motorcycle accident, which in retrospect was the best thing that happened to me. I broke my my leg and two arms and. I was just lying there in hospital, thinking, like, "What are you going to do? You're a truck yeah. driver. You got two. You've got two broken arms. You know." And how old were you at this point, John? No, I was eighteen. Oh um, wow! Yeah, nineteen. So instead of um, sitting around, I decided to enrol in a correspondence school, and I th- and just kept going and going and going and trying to hide that poor level of literacy all the time, and then. As I became more confident to stand up for myself, I was saying, look, look at me, I need some help. You know, I need some help with this literacy. So I had some very good people that helped me through a school in Redfern, a corres- correspondence school, and they are amazing. So, But a lot of it was, was in a drive, you know. Like you get to a stage in your life where you think, you know, you look in the mirror and you say, you're better. You're better than, than what you're showing the world. You know? yeah. And I often say that to kids here. I say, well, I know you're better than, than what, what you are, so why aren't you showing the rest of the world how good, good you are? And I, 
nine times out of ten, they walk out and think, oh, he's finally lost it, you know. But you get that one little light bulb moment when the kid says, well, no, I am going to show the world. And I went on and, you know, I graduated from Newcastle Uni with first-class honours and I went on to to do, I've got two master's degrees and I, I went on to serve on the Newcastle University Academic Board for 12 months and a student representative, so... Mind you, I didn't tell them that I really didn't understand what they were talking about a lot of times. So. <laughs> that was fine. So I think one of the things I've learned over many years is that it doesn't matter if a person's wearing a suit or has got a fancy title or is making a lot of money, they've still got all the insecurities and the personal challenges that, that, that you've got. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's I just a matter of overcoming those challenges and driving that that frustration and sometimes anger into a positive. Yeah, and I really enjoyed what you said before about, um, you know, saying I'm better than this and, you know, in terms of um, tying that to your, your role as a teacher and a principal and, you know, teaching in general, sometimes it's hard for people, you know, whether adults or kids, whatever, to, to say that to ourselves and to have that self-belief and to have someone say that to you, like to say, no, I believe in you, you are better than this. That sometimes is all you need to be able to say to to say it yourself. That's right. A lot of a lot of kids and especially kids that have had a pretty hard journey through life, that they put up an absolute barrier in front of them because that's their survival technique. We we have a lot of out of home care kids come through this school. You know, and, and some of them have, have been physically and emotionally beaten around for want of a better word and sometimes you you just don't keep telling them because they've heard so many people let them down it's yeah. the you know like my the latest one we had i i just come just something simple as uh, i came up and gave her a book pack i said here you know, here's some brand new books and the look on that kid's face was like I said, hey, you've just won the lottery and it comes with a new Ferrari. It was just that somebody didn't think that she was going to be the person that just comes into the school for three months and then will get suspended or expelled and go out and that type of stuff. Somebody's saying, you need some new books because you're going to be here for a long time and have you got a computer and, you know, like that yeah. type of stuff. So a lot of times people will tell kids that they're special but they with their body language and the way that they treat them, it's pretty obvious through the perception of the kid that you don't think that at all. So. That's great stuff. Interesting. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that you told me about the uh, the accident and things that drive you because um, I know you're a very passionate guy mm-hmm. and you've got some, you know, passions outside of, you know, being a principal and things like that. You uh, told me, and this was a little bit embarrassing in some respects, we kind of chatted about this off air briefly, then I asked you off air, you know, what are your passions? You know, for example, I like to make coffee and things like that. And then you came through with, uh, I like to study historical figures and, and learn from them. You know, yeah. can you touch on that a little bit? Because that was really interesting. Yeah, I often wonder why some people can can get others to, to go in a common direction and they can they can give their passions and people will will run with them and understand it, that type of stuff. And, some of the people that I've done a lot of study on aren't, aren't exactly the world's greatest people, <laughs> but they still had that ability to 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 motivate, to to make a change. You know, 
often say to my wife and she's she she gets quite upset with me because I say to her what have I done you know what, what change have I made and she goes through all these things and I say say yeah but you know what what is it what, what can I do more you know and you, you study these people and you know, some of the people in the Vietnam War era and you know the black the civil rights people in America, you know, like fan, fancy being one voice amongst all those voices saying that you can't do it, you mm. know. I was only saying this on assembly the other day the kids that if, if something's not going right, somebody is doing some dangerous behaviour and you don't use your voice, you're just as, you're just as responsible for that as the person that's doing it. Yeah, yeah. And that's a very difficult concept for a teenager because obviously they want to be popular, that type of stuff. But you imagine if some of the great civil rights leaders, you know, Nelson Mandela, and if Nelson Mandela didn't didn't stand up, you know. So there's there's so much that we can learn and so much inspiration from those type of people. It just human nature fascinates me. Why some people are bad and what like. You've got people like Jim Jones who, who did you know, an incredibly hideous thing, but he had all those people that believed in him so much. You know? Well, yeah, leadership can be, well, it's a very powerful quality for someone to have yeah. and it can be used for good or bad purposes, as you've just touched on. Certainly can. Interesting. So, yeah, that is a, you know, um, yeah, pretty interesting and, I guess, um, you know, not so, a common thing to as a passion or a hobby of yours is to yeah study those people and. But um, you see it in kids. I see some kids in my school that have are just natural leaders, you know. And you think if somebody doesn't get hold of that child and foster that and 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 say, look, you can you can make people move our country. You know, we've got Aboriginal kids here that are natural leaders of people, and. Wouldn't it be such a, a, an amazing waste of talent if somebody didn't nurture that and say, look, your people need you. Your people need young leaders. Go out yeah. and do it. But then there's all these other things in society and, you know, technological age and all that type of stuff that say, no, 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 no. Don't put your hand up. Don't be that person that's mm. out there. So it's interesting. The old tall poppy syndrome is a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know, the, the country's great for that, you know. If you buy a new car, you're, you're flaunting your, your wealth, you, you know, you're up yourself, that type of stuff. It's not like good on you, you've worked overtime, that type of stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I can't speak about girls because, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a guy, obviously, but it is a guy thing, like between males and especially teenage boys, casting my mind back to high school, mm. you know, you'd be scared sometimes to talk about if you volunteered or you did something good because um, if people were, uh, you know, tease you for it or even if it is just in that friendly way. So that is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Mate, that's why we've got um, that's why we've got such a horrendous suicide rate in the country because our boys don't talk. Correct. Uh, yeah. And one things one of the things that boys do in this school is that and we see seen it a lot during the drought is they will have a meltdown. Uh, uh, they'll punch a wall or do something like that. And when you you scrape back all the bravado and the teenage stuff, it's because they're frustrated and because they can't talk and they think that nobody will listen even if they did talk. And if they do say that something's wrong, they're weak. Mm. You know, like, 
that's that's one of the biggest barriers that we have to break down. Yeah, teenage boys. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's why um, you hope you don't mind me tying it back to the awards. That's why you know we believe so strongly in sharing stories like you, John, people who are empathetically empathetic leaders who you know show their feelings and who are happy to you know you said before you put your teflon on you know i I thought that was a really interesting way to say it because you do put yourself out there as a leader to get the criticism but it's important to to show you know people who are um strong leaders but empathetic leaders and that's what we need to you know to foster in now our young people absolutely and look as a male we need to to um show other males role model the fact that emotion is not weak emotion is and and emotion can be part of the healing process and that emotion doesn't have to be anger (laughs) that's a very common emotion but it can be you know you you can reach out to to one of your mates and say how you going you know like what's what's happening and one of the most powerful things that happened during the drought it's one of my kids said uh, on an interview with a radio station or something, said, when you see a farmer in town, ask him how he's going, you know, and say thanks. Say thanks for what you're doing, you know, because those those blokes are working for $5 an hour or less sometimes during the drought because they're just not making any money or they're going yeah. backwards. So a little bit of, and that's that goes with the, the award too, a little bit of recognition does put that little bit of self-doubt away for, for a while in a person's mind and you say, well, geez, I did do something pretty special <laughs> mm. or yeah. I am doing something pretty special because I'm not finished. There's a lot more things I need to do yet. <laughs> exactly, John. Um, you know, speaking of that recognition, now, what would you say to anyone listening that, you know, was thinking about whether it was nominating uh, themselves or this, their organisation or a friend or a family member? What would you say, you know, in terms of uh, encouraging them to do that? I'd say you deserve it to that person, you deserve it to yourself, you know. And you're not, if, if you don't want to recognise yourself, recognise the process and re- recognise the thought, thought process that went behind what you were doing you know, because it, it's, it's easy to be a critic or, or a cheerer from the sideline but it's a lot more difficult to go ahead and and be the catalyst and be the driver mm-hmm. and be the public face of, of a project so what i what i'd say is that what in you says to you that you don't deserve recognition yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and that's what these awards do they recognize everyone that's nominated they recognize the process and they recognize the fact that in regional and country australia we we need people to go out there and say this is not good enough or I can make a difference. That's, no, that's great. And um, you know, one thing I'd like to share with people listening is that there is a a nominate. There's an award for everyone. So we we run regional focused awards. We run community awards and young, you know, youth focused awards. So um, all we, we want for people is to share their story and give them a platform to inspire others. And that's kind of why we started this podcast as well, John. Which is uh, why I'm so happy to have you on because. Yeah, the, the story and the stuff that you know, you've been talking about is things that people, especially city-based people like myself, just don't think about. You know, it's we separate ourselves, and you did say earlier that there's a big divide in between, you know, 
how people live regionally and rurally. Um, so it's important to to share that. I think. Well, Joshua, I would I would say, and you know, I'm 53 years of age now, and I've lived in the country all my life. I would say that in the 80s, I had more services, social services, than what I've got now. Really, that's crazy. I, and I would say there's been a gradual decline of recognition of country people, and there's been, and with that has come a, a reduction in services. I mean, this this town went the best part of 18 months without a shop. You know, like you couldn't really. Yeah, we had to drive. The nearest shop was 68 kilometres away, so you're looking at a 140-kilometre round trip to buy new milk and bread and that type of stuff. But we haven't had a, a police officer in our town this year. You know, yes. we, had, we had visited the police, that type of stuff. And, look, I and I get offside with people with, with this in the country. I blame us to an extent because... Why aren't we shouting from the rooftops that this is not happening? We don't have mental health services. Now, if we didn't have mental health services in a Sydney suburb, people would be protesting in the streets. They'd be writing to their local member, but country people accept it. Mm. And as soon as we accept it, it becomes the norm. You know, I upset many politicians because I've gone on to Sydney Radio and I've said that they haven't visited my school in two years. Like we ha- you haven't been schooling their electorate in a hideous drought with high rates of mental health, you know, other problems in the community and you don't see your local member for years? Well, I think that's an indication of where we sit as far as the, the how important we're, we're, we're allowed us ourselves to be. And... That's what I'm saying. We have allowed ourselves to be like that. And if we don't have community leaders and people who are willing to change it, well, it's just going to keep going. Yeah, it's tough, John. You know, speaking about willing to change it, I know um, another one of your passions is uh, about helping you know, fathers who haven't got access you know, to their kids or you know, there's obviously that's a, such a deep and complex issue. So I know we can't really um, you know, capture all of that now, but... You know, that's another thing that you're involved with in, in helping people, you know, and that's tied to, you know, I found out when you're talking about your literacy and, and things like that, that's all tied together, your, um, your own personal experience. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, I had a, a very nasty divorce, which, you know, I still sort of have a lot of blame issues about that. And people tell me don't do it and all that type of stuff. The more people tell you don't do it, the more you reflect on it. And, my experience with the family court and the legal system was totally disempowering of, of, of the father in particular. And, and I, I imagine many women find it like that as well. It's, it's not explained well to you. It's jargonistic. And I think what happens, especially for our country males, and a lot of our country males have a low rate of literacy, is they give up. They become so frustrated with it because they'll, they'll get a court paper and it'll, it'll have information on it and, and they just don't understand it. They don't have the level of literacy to do that. So I've taken it among myself to be not only a person that can they can talk to about it but also a person who can read it to them and tell them what it means in, in plain English, everyday men terms, you know, everyday people terms, I should say. And that 
that's because of my experience, but it's, it's also because of what I see in schools. I see many yeah. kids that are, are suffering because they don't completely understand what their parents are going through and they have a whole level of blame of themselves and then unfortunately sometimes they become almost weapons in the process and at least if I can get a bloke and say to him or anybody can say to him, but it, it is, it, I'm, not I'm not trying to be sexist, but it is males that are coming, you know, and and say, mate, what this means is that you have these these amounts of rights and you're allowed to go back to court and you can do those type of things and, and this is an avenue where you can get some support financially or counselling and all that type of stuff. And as soon as you say counselling to many country males, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that, you know. But when you explain to them that it's not counselling to tell you that you have a problem or you're in, to blame, it's counselling to allow your forum to be able to talk to somebody about yep. the emotions you're going through. And if that stops somebody, you know, getting getting full of grog and jumping in their car and smashing into a tree, well, geez, yeah. it takes a little bit of more time, so what? Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it is a very complex issue, but I can just only imagine, um, you know, as being a, a dad myself, just with young kids, if for whatever reason, you know, I wasn't able to see them anymore, I know how devastating that would be and if I didn't have the, the understanding or the ability to you know try and work out how I could see them then I you know so I commend you what you're doing it is a a tough and complex issue see, the, uh, family it, court, the, the family court it, one there's a huge delay in it and that's that's yeah another issue but the family court make unrealistic and impractical judgments because you know I had one gentleman talk to me that he's allowed to see his child during the week on a Wednesday, and he says, well, I work 85 kilometres away from where he is, so I've got to drive in those 85 kilometres and I can't tell the sheep that I'm going or during the harvest or those sort of things. It's, some of the judgments are so rigid in their, in their form that mm. it's just not practical. And yeah. you know, it's a huge issue across the state. It's not only in the country. Sorry, mate, I cut you off. No, you did not at all. It's fine. It's, um, yeah, it, you know, you, you know better than most being in schools and seeing kids without, you know, whether it's mum, dad, whatever it is, or, or even yeah. just positive role models. We need to do whatever we can to kind of help kids have uh, positive role models, whether it's their parents or otherwise. One of the things I would tell every father is if you get access to your child one day a fortnight, don't splash them with gifts, splash them with love. You That's know, great advice. I have many kids that come back with, you know, new toys that dad's given them because he misses them so much and he can't tell them how much he loves them other than spend money. And like I've had instances where kids will give them away to their friends because they don't want them. They, they want, want their them. father's love. They don't want their yeah. father's money. Well, that's why you said before counselling is so important because that could help the dads to understand, you know, what matters and emotionally, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the love languages, but that's a such a key one. If they understand, well, this is what my kid values, then I can give them that. So... Uh, John, I'm really inspired by um, by the work you do, um, fighting, you know, uphill battles from what it sounds like to me, but uh, you're sprinting at that hill, mate. So, you know, you don't, have, you don't need me to tell you to keep it up, but um, just know that you are inspiring others, even if it just feels like, you know, that conversation you have with your wife, it feels like, what am I doing? You are doing great stuff, mate. So um, just want to, yeah, pass on the congratulations to you for winning that award last year, the Trans Green Leadership Award. Um, 
And I just hope that some other people out there are inspired by that and uh, will be able to share their stories too. No worries, Josh. Thanks for talking to me, mate. Thanks, John. Really great talking to you, mate. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed our interview. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. If you know someone's making a difference, then you can contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, www.awardsaustralia.com, and you can nominate them. Help spread their story and share their message. Awards Australia is a family-owned Australian business. Our awesome producer, Annette, is my mum, and the other podcast host, Jeff, is my dad. We proudly aim to make a difference in the lives of Australians. And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our awards programs possible. Would your business like to know how to get involved? Contact us now. See our details in the show notes. Please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss an episode. And please share this episode with your network to pay it forward. Who doesn't like to hear a positive good news story? We'd also greatly appreciate it if you review and rate the series as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe and remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.